Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. At Awaken Church, we are passionate about wrestling with and being unraveled by the Christian scriptures. Ideally, we do this together around the table in the neighborhood of Bonas. As we see it, Jesus has invited all of us to encounter Him in a diverse community and participate with Him in a mission of loving our neighbors. Hello, I'm Kara. Um, it's a full house today. That's fun. So welcome here. Second week of Advent. And today I'm speaking on how God is with us in our fear. So we'll start by reading a passage, which we are looking at Luke 1, 26 to 38. So here we go. We made it black. Is that better for people to see? Okay. I'm going to read it off my page. That's better for me. Okay. This is in the message. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son, old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Then the angel left her. So we're going to start by looking at the fear of Mary. So the passage starts with her very afraid because this supernatural being shows up and says, good morning. You're beautiful. And understandably, Mary's terrified. The text says she's thoroughly shaken. And then the angel helps us understand even further. He says, you have nothing to fear. And that Greek word used there is phobeo, which means to flee. So the angel can see that Mary is so afraid she's at a flight risk. So he tries to comfort her and he says, God's got a surprise for you. He's going to impregnate you. And it's like, maybe that was comforting for Mary. It wouldn't be for me as a single woman in ancient Israel. So whether she was comforted or shocked, she obviously doesn't run, but she asks for more information. Um, so the angel goes on to have this conversation with Mary. And he says, Jesus' birth is going to be a fulfillment of a prophecy to be a king descended from David. The miracle is going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mary, if you don't believe me, remember your cousin Elizabeth. She was barren, too old to have children, and yet here she is six months pregnant. And so by the end of this conversation, Mary's done this total 180-degree turn, right? She was so terrified she was going to run away. And she, by the end of the conversation, says the words, I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. And the word that Mary uses there for maid is Greek, the Greek word doule, meaning handmaid or female slave, or more literally, one who gives herself wholly up to another's will. 
Now we have a profession called being a doula and the word doula comes from that Greek word doule. And in our context, um, a doula is someone who comes intimately close to the mother and helps the mother give birth to her child. Now, in this passage, Mary is agreeing to be mother of God, but she's also agreeing to be a doula to mother God by coming alongside mother God and helping God birth her child into the world. So in this passage, she's saying, yes, God, I will partner with you to help you bring salvation to the brokenness. And Luke 1 is a journey for Mary of turning away in fear to turning toward an intimate relationship and partnering with God. Now, scripture talks a lot about fear in this way, probably because it's a core human instinct. Everybody feels fear. Um, and if you don't, like maybe you're a psychopath, but you, you're seriously ill. Like you need fear if you're a human. You're not doing well if you don't have fear. And it's because fear keeps us safe. It's an instinct for us. And at the very least, it's trying to draw our attention to a potential threat. And at, at its height, it's initiating that fight, flight, or freeze response that helps us remove ourselves from danger. Um, now, we all know that fear is also something that can be really unhelpful and sneaky. Um, I remember once, so the 20s were a journey of like figuring out the voice of anxiety in my head. And uh, I remember one time I took Addie on her first swim to Westside Rec, and I had this vision of like a tsunami crashing through these giant windows and like drowning us all in the pool. And it was like fear got overconfident and it helped me identify like, okay, that was like a vision of anxiety. Like there's 0% chance that we will die of a tsunami in the prairies of Alberta. It was like, oh, like that's fear. And it was so, it was so, it was such a strong vision for me, but I was so unafraid because it was so ridiculous. But fear does that. It, it tries to cripple sometimes. It tries to harm as much as at other times it's trying to protect. Um, but regardless, if you're human, you experience fear. Um, I was looking online at what people have been saying recently about fear because it's been a fear-filled few years. And there's a recent study in the U.S. that polled Americans' top fears. And I know that there are like significant cultural differences, but I resonated with a lot of these on the list. Does anyone want to guess what the top fear was? Top 10 American fears. Public speaking. Losing your job. Okay. Terrorism. Not the top one, but that definitely, did it make the list? Yeah. It made the list. Dying of a virus. No. It was there, kind of. It was um corrupt government officials, which is interesting. Like when you watch movies, it's, yeah, it's like, yes, you should fear that America. Um, but uh, if you watch movies, like it always in like the nineties, it's always like the evil Russians. Whereas more recently, if you watch a spy movie, it's corrupt American officials that are the real evil ones behind the scenes. I found that interesting. But uh, right after corrupt American officials, there's, I'm just going to list some of them, or government officials. There's um, people I love becoming seriously ill, Russia using nuclear weapons, people I love dying, the U.S. becoming involved in another world war, pollution of drinking water, not having enough money for the future, economic and financial collapse, um, pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes, and then the last one was biological warfare. So... A lot of those resonate, especially with the spring that we had with Russia and Ukraine. Um, and in Canada, one, there, there's a similar poll. It was from 2020, though, not 2022. But something that arose for a lot of Canadians was fear of the unknown. So a bit more of a 
less specific, more just like a looming fear. And in 2020, if you think about COVID hitting, that makes a lot of sense. But this Canadian study was interesting. So it showed that um, young people in Canada suffer from higher levels of fear than older people. So 75% of 18 to uh, 34 year olds suffer from high levels of fear compared to 56% of those over 55. And then the other thing I found interesting is that women expressed more fear than men, 74% um, compared to 54%. Um, yeah, so it, it was it was just interesting. Like I, I resonated with basically every fear that was mentioned, which is maybe evidence of my own anxiety. I'm not like crippled anymore, but yeah, I, I, I found it interesting to read about what our culture is ruminating on when it comes to fear. But regardless of what it is that, that is the the focus or the subject of your fear, we all fear feel, we all fear or we all feel fear. And it's this, um, it's an experience that ties us together. It's visceral and it's painful and, and it's unavoidable for all of us, which I think is why scripture talks about it so often. Um, it's the most common command in scripture to say fear not 117 times throughout the entirety of the Bible. And what's interesting is that God over and over again is saying, fear not when we all know that we all fear that we're all going to fear and, and that it's, it's important. Like it, it's an instinct that keeps us safe. Um, so I ruminated on that this week. And what I noticed about the stories where God enters in and speaks to people who are afraid is that he is showing up when they're already afraid. So like the Israelites are on the shores of the Red Sea and Egypt is like barreling down upon them. God shows up and says, fear not. Um, Hagar, she's watching her son die of thirst in front of her. She's petrified and God shows up then and says, fear not. And when people of faith are afraid and alone, God speaks and he doesn't just show up before they're afraid and say, like, don't even think about feeling fear. He shows up in the midst of the fear that is already there and offers this invitation to shift our focus to fear of God and awareness of God in that moment. Um, so I'm going to read a few passages of, um, some text where God is issuing that command, fear not to his people. Um, Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. And just later in that same chapter, it says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is you. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Philippians 4, 6 in the New Testament says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And Revelation 1, 17 says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. And so when we read the scriptures over and over and over again, we're hearing that command from God, where God is treating our fear as an invitation to turn towards her. She's saying, hey, you're afraid. Notice that I'm here with you in that fear. You feel vulnerable. Explore what it means to lean on my strength. You feel powerless. Let it prompt you to ask for my miracles. You feel pain. Seek the sweetness of my comfort. You feel despair and hopelessness. Remember that one day everything's going to be made right because God is first and she will be the last. I found um, a reflection by a rabbi named Yale Splansky that was really cool. So I wanted to read part of what she thought about God's um, command to fear not. 
She says, and what does the repetition of this commandment say about our God? As big as our fears are, God is bigger still. Because the eternal one is constant and whole, God can contain our fears, absorb the shock of them until we feel ourselves strong enough to carry them. Sometimes just a whisper, sometimes a shout, the divine command, Al-Tiru, which means fear not, echoes and reverberates throughout Jewish history, urging our people onward, come what may. And scripture does promise over and over again what is to come. Isaiah 11 says the wolf's going to romp with the lamb, the leopard sleep with the kid. Goes on to talk about the peace between animals. Calf and lion are going to eat from the same trough. And, and not only that, but our children were, will care for them. It says that nursing children will crawl over rattlesnake dens and a toddler's going to stick his hand down into the hole, the home of the snake. And if you think about the people who are hearing this, they live in a, in a region of the world with venomous snakes and would know children and people who have died from their bites. But it says, neither animal nor human will hurt or kill on my holy mountain. The whole earth will be brimming with knowing God alive, a living knowledge of God, ocean deep, ocean wide. And when I read that, I can imagine my fears being absorbed by God like that, by a spirit who fills us to the brim with this knowing of God alive. A living knowledge of God that's ocean deep and ocean wide makes sense that that would absorb all else. So no wonder that the only fear that scripture encourages is fear of God herself. Makes sense that when we stand in holy reverence of the one who's making all things new, that there is a peace that can be found in the midst of our fear and the realities of living in a broken world where danger is real and painful. Um, a few years ago, my sister shared a quote with me, and it was to interrupt anxiety with gratitude, which I found really helpful. Um, because what is fear but that unwillingness to lose what we love and what we need? Um, and what I started to do with that quote was to let fear point out what mattered to me, what I loved. And instead of turning towards fearing its loss, I started to turn towards gratitude of what I loved instead of towards worrying about it. So, for example, Thank you, God, for my children. Um, my fear's right. They're precious to me, and I'm grateful for them. Um, thank you for financial stability. My fear's right. It's important. I need it, and I'm thankful that I have it right now. Um, thank you for peace in my country. My fear is pointing out that peace and safety are really good and important, and I'm grateful for them and to have them now. So I found that quote helpful, interrupt anxiety with gratitude. And I think that when we read these passages of God showing up over and over again through scripture, um, God is saying something similar, but a little bit different. I think what she's saying is interrupt fear with an awareness of her. In Luke 1, Mary's showing what this movement can be like in our minds and in our hearts, because she starts out with that phobeo, that natural knee-jerk reaction to like turn away from what might harm us. And then she ends with like dule, the supernatural reaction of turning toward and coming close to God in, in this intimacy um, of partnering with God and her purposes. So in our fear, God comes to us and says, interrupt that fear with an awareness of me. And I think the spirit comes. And as we do that over and over again, it becomes um, it becomes empowered to happen even more in a stronger muscle by the spirit who dwells in us. So that it becomes a knee-jerk reaction to turn towards the Lord whenever we're in fear. Because our fear is not going to go away. But the fear can become this space in which we draw close to God. 
And in our helplessness, we can learn to say regularly, God, I'm feeling helpless. I know that I need you. God, my, my life has been interrupted. My plan's in shambles. I'm afraid, but I know that you have a plan and we are going somewhere even when my plans don't work out. And when I am discouraged and, and things are fearful and I feel unsafe, God, I still know that I have hope in you and there's hope even in this scenario. And ultimately, that knee-jerk reaction of interrupting that fear with turning to God becomes, God, I know that you're with me and I'm with you. And it can become this call to intercession too, like, I'm afraid and I remember to ask you, come, Lord Jesus, make all things new. I know you're making all things new, but come and make things new now in what I'm experiencing in this moment. So I'll close with this. I just, I think it's really marvelous that God takes something that humanity is going to always experience, that instinct to fear in a broken world, and turns it into this ever-present invitation to become more aware of her. And so it's no wonder then that, that the scriptures invites us to turn from all fear except the one, the fear of God as though that fear is going to absorb all others, making space for them, but also drawing us into constant reliance and relationship with the Holy One that does promise that one day the lion is going to lay down with the lamb on her holy mountain. Um, I'm just going to close with praying for us. God, um, we are afraid, and there are lots of things to be afraid of. And fear of you is pretty low on that list for a lot of us. But we pray, Lord, that your spirit would come and teach us to fear you in a reverence, in a recognition of the beauty that is you. Lord, we pray that you would teach us in our fear to turn to you, that we might partner with you in your purposes and that we, we might be comforted by you in our pain. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.